The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from what I usually say is sunny Arizona, but today I have to say from rainy Scottsdale. We've had some downpours and they've been wonderful. We declared this week to be a celebration of men on the Self-Improvement blog because of today's show topic. We featured articles and videos by Ken Solon, our guest today, and others. So take a look at it. It's, you'll find it at http www.theselfimprovementblog.com. You're going to find a number of articles about men. We run different articles every day. You'll find Ken's picture, his bio. You'll find the review I did of Act Like a Man. Um, and you'll find three YouTube videos that are absolutely compelling. I really encourage you, whether you're a man or a woman, to watch these videos. In 1982, a book was published titled, Real Men Don't Eat Kish. And it was talked about for a very long time. In fact, you'll still hear people referring to it. It was a tongue-in-cheek book that satirized stereotypes of masculinity. But many people took it to be gospel truth, and it created a great controversy. And, you know, a lot of people ate less quiche and a lot ate more quiche, just to make a point. The book was on the New York Times bestseller list for 55 weeks and sold over a million and a half copies. Does that tell you there's some interest in the topic? Times haven't changed that much since then. The discussion continues on what a real man is. There are a lot of books out now about, quote, real men, and it's surprising to me how many of them are written by women. My personal opinion is that men come in all shapes, sizes, colors, temperaments, personalities, professions, you name it, and like women, can't be put in a one-size-fits-all category. They are all real. They may not all be authentic, but they're all real. But if you're told to act like a man, what would that look like? What does acting like a man mean? Well, we're going to find out about that today. We're going to talk about that on today's show. For 20 years, author and lecturer Ken Solon has worked with men to move them beyond the issues that limit their lives. Divorces, sharing kids, single parenting, relationships, dysfunctional boyhoods, anger, depression, anxiety, and other issues that affect men have been successfully dealt with in his groups. Like many men, Ken grew to manhood with little idea of what it meant to act like a man. Ken chronicled the two-decade journey of his men's group in his book, Act Like a Man and 
That's what we're talking about today. A word of caution. You know, I want you to almost promise yourself you'll get this book. But once you've started reading it, you won't want to put it down until you come to the absolute end. If you'd like to call in today with your questions for Ken, he's open to that. The number to call in is 866-613-1612. Ken, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. It's so good to have you with us. Well, thanks so much for having me on. You've been about this for a long time. You've been working with men for some time. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your story, how you got into working with men. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, my childhood was, my boyhood was, uh, uh, my home was violent. Uh, my father was uh, a very out of touch guy who, uh, thought that violence was the way to, you know, to teach his, uh, his son how to be a man. Well, you know, that didn't work very well. Uh, but I grew up, unfortunately, you know, a young boy learns, uh, to trust. Uh, his first lesson in trust is his father. And, you know, I didn't trust my father. He wasn't a trustworthy guy. So I grew up not trusting men. Uh, that, uh, affected my entire life and for the next 40 years or, or 30 years actually after and it was painful. Um, it's not the way to go uh, to uh, to to try to get through relationships with men without trust. It's impossible. Um, and at forty, I found myself uh, a really successful entrepreneur. God, I was making all kinds of money. I had motorcycles, cars, girlfriends, uh, a house at the beach, and I, I don't think I've ever been so unhappy. And I thought, how can that be? Uh, how could I be so miserable? And I said, I said something which I've heard other men say countless times now, uh, especially around 40 years old. This is it. This is all there is. Is that all? Peggy Lee's song, is this all there is? Well, you know, that was it for me, and that's it for a lot of guys. And so I decided, I, I, I read Robert Bly's book, uh, Iron John, which, you know, frankly was kind of hard slogging because it was a or about an ancient story, uh, but it made me understand uh, that very few men really understood the rites of passage from boyhood to manhood because their fathers didn't teach them because their fathers didn't know. Yeah, the they whole, were, and, and many weren't there. Uh, yeah, and, and the whole uh, father-son uh, teaching thing ended when the Industrial Revolution started and all the men went to work in the factories and told their wives to raise their sons. Well, the firsthand experience disappeared. So I started a men's group, and for me, uh, that was maybe the bravest thing I ever did because I was terrified of other men. Um, I didn't trust men. I mean, I was really frightened to be in a... Uh, I'd never been in a room uh, with just eight other guys uh, with no rules and no nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, and it was, it was terrifying. Uh, but it didn't take long for us to understand uh, that the first thing we had to do was to build trust with each other if we hoped to get any... Uh, any serious work done. So we, we decided uh, everything that was said in that room would stay in the room so that it would be confidential. But equally important was that everybody would leave his ego at the door uh, because when men speak from their egos, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's all one-upmanship. Uh, right. and, and what we eventually learned was for a man to get into his heart, he's got to get out of his head. And for most guys... 
that's like, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Well, you, you can't think your way through life uh, on a personal level. In business, yeah, of course you can. Uh, professional level, you can. But on a personal basis, with whether it's other men, friends, with your wife, your girlfriend, with your children, you can't think your way through those relationships. You've got to feel your way. Um, and I've always said that a man who can't feel his own pain isn't going to be able to feel anybody else's either, no. which makes him pretty useless in terms of relationships. Now, all kinds of questions come up in my mind as you're saying these things. I, I know from reading the book that you didn't have a leader. There was nobody in charge of the meeting. And I thought that was really interesting. I want you to talk a little bit about that. And the other thing is that you chose to work with feelings, with emotions rather than with head knowledge, which to me seems like a real stretch for you at that time. Oh, so can, can you talk a little bit about both these? Why did you choose not to have a leader, and how did you come to wanting to talk about feelings? Well, uh, the idea of, of not having a leader, we, we all agreed at the very first meeting. We were all independent guys, and, and we all realized that, Men, we didn't need a leader. We wanted to be equals. We wanted to be peers. We knew we couldn't do this work together as peers unless we were all literally peers, that there was no leader. We, none of us felt like we needed that sort of, uh, uh, that's what we didn't need leadership. What we just, we needed was the opportunity. And the other thing we realized fairly quickly, pretty early on, uh, was that, uh, when a man says what he thinks, that's his opinion. And opinions, you can argue with opinions. You know, if a man says, I, I, you know, I, or if he's in a relationship, for instance, and says to his girlfriend or his wife, you know, I think you're being a jerk. Well, you know, that's your opinion, maybe. Yeah. But, but she can say, well, no, I think you're being a jerk. It, what we understood, we found out pretty quickly that when a man says how he feels, that's his absolute truth. And no one can ever argue with how you're feeling. If a man says, my, my, I'm, I'm feeling hurt, uh, because you said whatever uh, that really hurt my feelings, you can't. Nobody can say to that that guy, "Well, no, you you don't feel that way." The only person who knows how you feel is you. So we figured out pretty quickly, and it was hard. There were some guys uh, they'd say, "Yeah, I'm having a lot of problems in my marriage." I said, "Well, you know, how do you feel about that?" And and they'd say, "Well, I think oh, we don't care what you think. Don't you get it? We don't care what you think." We want to know, where, what are you feeling right now? Because that's the conversation that's going to help you, you know, get in touch with where you need to go in your marriage. And it took a long time for some guys, not so long for others, uh, to be able to, uh, to access that, that feeling because they had to get out of their heads. And, and most guys live in their heads. Uh, they go to work all, every day and at work they're in their heads. Uh, they come home, they got to pay the bills, they're in their heads. But to relate to your wife, your girlfriend, your children, other men, you can't do that from your head. If you really care no. about people, if you really love people, that's not from your head. And guys who are stuck in their heads can't do this work. And, and they also can't relate to other men or women or their children on a heart level. Can they stay in the group when they never are able to do this? I, I don't mean, are you going to kick them out? But do they voluntarily choose to leave because this is just too hard? Um, we've had 
guys who left um, after a, actually uh, over the years they, they've left after a couple of meetings. Uh, I remember one fellow about a year ago uh, joined us, and um, he told us that his uh, teenage son uh, had been arrested. He was thrown out of school. He was doing drugs, and I said, "Tell us how you feel about that." And he started talking about what he thinks. And so I said, listen, let me ask you a real simple question. Did you ever tell your son you loved him? And he said, no. Wow. Said, well, what's that all about? You know, how does that feel to you, just saying that right now to, uh, to the other eight guys here? How does that feel that your son is 15 years old, he's totally messed up and in trouble, and you never told him you loved him? And, uh, you know, he started to feel feel badly. I mean, I kind of knew something was wrong when I met him because when he first came in the group because he said he'd seen a psychiatrist for five years and they had a lot of great conversations, but he, that he'd never cried. And, and he'd come from a terrible home with a violent uh, alcoholic father. And I thought, how could you be in therapy and for five years with that kind of background and have interesting conversations and never cry? So he couldn't go to that place, and, uh, and he left. Um, and we've had other guys, you know, the, probably the only guy who really can't ever go to that place is a narcissist. You know, they have a real hard time. Yeah. You know, that they don't belong in a men's group. They don't belong in any group, but they sure don't belong in a men's group because everything's somebody else's fault. Um, and, and that, you know, we're, men's groups are not about putting blame on other people. It's accepting your own responsibility. Um, but yeah, it, it is hard for some people, but I have to say, of the original guys, everybody got it. Uh, everybody got it. There was a guy in the beginning, I wrote about him, uh, the very first meeting, he said, you know, I think a woman's best use in life is just for pleasure, and I've never had an intelligent conversation with a woman. Well, you know, the other seven guys looked at him like, whoa, where are you coming from? And he went on like this for about a year, or maybe more. And then one day we kind of pushed him and said, you know, we're kind of tired of hearing about this. Where's this come from? Why do you have such a terrible attitude about women? And how come it's all off the top of your head? And he got quiet and he for about a minute and he started to cry. All of a sudden he's telling this story that happened to him 35 years before when he got dumped unceremoniously on a, on a train platform by his first love who he was going to ask to marry. And I asked him when that happened, how did you feel? And he said, I felt like somebody kicked me in the heart. And I said, well, what did you do with those feelings? He said, I stuffed it so deep, I was sure I was never going to have to think about it again. And I said, don't you realize your whole attitude about women comes from that experience, your anger, your mistrust, it all comes from that experience. And he got it. He really got it. And, and uh, was he able to change then his thinking about women? I think I think he changed his feelings about women. His feelings. He changed his thinking. But and we're talking about, well, thinking, too, he needed to change. Yeah. In fact, I said, you know, this is a great opportunity to go home and talk to your wife about, um, you know, the lack of intimacy in your marriage, you know, emotional intimacy. Well, you, this is a great opportunity to explain to her why. And I said, what do you think? And he said, uh, he'd been married for 35 years. He said, no, we don't have that kind of trust in our relationship. Oh, I but said, I, she would just, I, they would have if he would do that. Well, that's what I tried to explain <laughs> you, would to him, but, you know, you, you can't push guys beyond, 
you know, where they think they can go. Yeah. But he, even he, he was the toughest guy in the group in terms of getting in touch with his feelings, and he did. Uh, he fell apart, and he got in touch with why he had such a terrible attitude about women. So oh, I, I contend that with the exception of narcissists, that men who really want to do this can do it. And do it. On that note, we need to take a break. When we come back, I want to go right into that question, what does it mean to act like a man? This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ken Solon saying, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the Self-Improvement. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Everyone has a belief system that they stand by. It's comfortable and safe. If you believe that a hot stove will burn you, you won't touch it. Sometimes beliefs like this are practical, but some belief systems may be protecting you a little too much. These are the ones that might be holding you back. There's a secret to changing your belief system, and by doing so, achieve goals and live a happier, better life. Start by tuning in to Subconscious Beliefs with Dr. Hein Lambrechts, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Ken Solon. We're talking about what it means to act like a man. And if you want to call in and ask a question, the number is 866-613-1612. Ken, you talk in your book about uh, when you were a child, you had a bicycle accident, you were hurt, and you were crying, and you were told, don't cry, act like a man. Right. And you said you didn't know what that was. Tell us now what your viewpoint is on what it means to act like a man. Yeah, I think um, a lot of little boys are are told when they get physically injured or, you know, the dog dies or whatever, you know, come on, suck it up, act like a man. Men don't cry, men don't, you know, go to that place. So, you know, I I believed it and I sucked it up for 40 years. Uh, and after 40 years, I realized that, you know, sucking it up was, was just making it worse because it was building this huge rage, uh, in my, in my body about all the things that have been done to me. Oh, yeah. That, you know, I'd never expressed. So, um, and I think, you know, women uh, play a role in this. And you said something in the beginning when you were 
introducing your show, and that's that most of the books about men are written by women. And uh, I got to say, I, I I would never even consider writing a book about how women should behave or women's behavior because I don't have the firsthand knowledge. And I think for women, uh, whoever they are, to be writing about male behavior is a huge mistake because men and women don't process their emotions the same. Um, you know, men's group can be really loud, uh, angry, just short of violent rage. That's okay. We're men. And I remember when my group started, I called Sam Keen, who wrote Fire in the Belly. He lived near me, actually. And I said, you know, my group is getting upset. We've been together for a year, and there's a lot of anger, yelling and screaming. It's just, just short of coming to blows sometimes. What do you think? And all he said was, you're a men's group, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And he was right. So when women, you know, 10 years ago, women said, you know, we're tired of men being the way they are. We want men to become more emotional. Well, men became the kind of emotional uh, that didn't have any purpose, that didn't have any direction. Um, and, and then after they, you know, men would say, would, would cry. Well, they, you know, being a guy who cries doesn't mean, uh, doesn't mean much. It doesn't, you're just acting out at the, if there's no purpose. And so then women said, well, men are being wimpy. Well, you told them to cry, you told them to be emotional, but you didn't explain it to them very well. So what I consider uh, critical for men in terms of acting like men is to, first of all, become aware of what your emotions are, to feel the emotions as they come up in, in, in your body. But more important is to be in control of those emotions and to be able to articulate them if you're angry, uh, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger gets a bad rap. Anger actually has a, a, a lot of good purposes for anger, uh, but it's got to be controlled. And if a guy's angry with his girlfriend or his wife or his kids, that's okay as long as his anger's under control and if he can articulate why he's feeling angry. That's what it means to act like a man. It means to be in control of your emotions, aware of your emotions, and to be able to talk about them with whoever you're in, in a dialogue with, whether it's your men friends, uh, your wife, your girlfriend, or your children. Uh, that's what it means, and that's what women uh, respect. You know, that's, a, that's an authentic man. That's a guy who sort of knows what it means to act like a man. Um, you know, See, I found myself almost jealous that you guys have such open dialogue and by and large with women we always have to be sweet and nice and, and we can get loud but you know it's different and you know I, I wish we had as much a look at <clears throat> what does it mean to be a real woman as you guys have had looking at what is a real man well I wouldn't begin to <laughs> don't you don't need to, to touch pontificate that. Pontificate about what women. <clears throat> no, uh, no, nor nor do I feel able to pontificate about men, and I'm delighted that you're doing the work that you're doing. Question comes: Why don't men know instinctively how to act like a man? Well, mostly it's because um, <clears throat> the lessons ended, you know, hundreds of years ago when the industrial revolution started. Uh, as soon as fa you know, fathers used to go into the fields, they take their sons with them every day, they teach them how to be men. Or if they had a trade, you know, a shoemaker, a carpenter, they take their boys with them and spend the day with them. And, and the boys learn, you know, from spending time with their fathers. But, you know, as soon as guys left the home, 
to go to work in other professions or the factories or whatever, the Industrial Revolution, that was the end of all lessons. And, and after that, it became, um, slowly but surely, uh, women uh, were left to be raising uh, uh, boys to men. And women did the best they could. I don't criticize women at all, but, but women don't have the firsthand knowledge of what it means to be a man. So they, uh, they created boys into men in the image that in they, in their heads they thought, you know, boys should be men. But, you know, but boys aren't women. So no. the idea of, of women <laughs> I had a boys. dear man friend tell me one time that women can't raise boys to be men, that only men could. And I was really offended because by and large I'd had to raise my sons pretty much alone. I, my husband was off doing his thing. And um, I was I was incensed, but since I have my son with me and my grandson, I'm seeing that I didn't have a clue. I thought I did, but I don't go about it any way like my son does with his son. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, I wish I had known that. I wish I, I had been able to do that. Yeah. But there was no way I could. No. Um, and, and considering that half of the uh, boys in America now are being raised by single mothers, um, you know, the, therein lies the problem. Uh, boys are great. So boys go out. The word of boys learn how to become men out in the streets with other boys who haven't gotten the lessons either. Uh, that's how it was for me. I started hanging out in the streets with other guys who were just, who came from dysfunctional homes like mine. And instead of teaching each other how to be men because we didn't have a clue, we became, you know, macho guys that uh, we saw in the movies. But there was no trust uh, between us, and there certainly wasn't any vulnerability. Uh, in my neighborhood, vulnerability was a recipe for disaster. You know, you get beaten up for sure. So there was none of that. Um, you know, and fathers can teach their sons that being emotionally vulnerable isn't unmanly. In fact, it's very manly. If it's if it's done, uh, if that vulnerability is is uh, is affected in a way that uh, that's got a certain amount of control behind it and, and knowledge behind it, you know, men are not supposed to just fall apart. And I remember a fellow you know, emailed me after I wrote it. I, I write for the Huffington Post. I've written over a hundred articles for them, and. One of my articles got 2,200 comments. It was about emotional honesty. And one fellow said, well, you know, I tried to be emotionally honest with a woman. We were talking one day, and I started to cry, and she got disgusted and walked away. I thought, well, yeah. I mean, just crying, that doesn't make you a man. If you can articulate why you're sad or you can articulate how you're feeling, you know, that's manly. But just to cry, what does that mean to anybody? You know, it, it does appear, uh, make you appear kind of wimpy. You know, you got to be able to articulate it. And most women, if they understand the pain behind it, will cry with them. Well, perhaps so, but you at know, least they won't judge them. They won't um, judge. Well, they, they shouldn't. Well, well I, I don't I believe it shouldn't. But I, I also get yeah. emails from guys who say, look, I did what you said, and, and this woman, you know, still was abusive. What should I do? And my answer was simple, leave. Leave, you know, run, leave, don't you know. walk. Yeah, just leave. I, I, I advocate for emotional awareness and honesty, not stupidity. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not suggesting men should, uh, any guy should be anybody's punching bag, men or women. 
so you know, be a part of being a man is is uh, having self respect. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, you talk in your groups and on your your videos about the violence boys experience in their family from their father. And this was shocking to me. I knew it existed. I didn't know it was so prevalent. Where does that violence start? And, you know, how do you see it ending? It seems that if there are more men's group like like yours, you could make a dent in it. Uh, Yeah, I think so. And, and frankly, um, I don't know all the root causes of my father's violence and anger. Um, he was, uh, we, he never could pay his bills. Uh, he was always fighting with other guys in the community, but I'm not really sure where it all came from. Uh, but I do know, uh, that like other boys who were abused, you know, whether a boy is physically abused like I was, verbally abused, sexually abused, whatever it is, there's great shame that comes with that. And I was so ashamed of my, uh, experiences with my father that I never told any of my friends, uh, never told anybody, no women, nobody. And, and, and when I was 40, um, at that very first meeting, the men's meeting, and we were trying to figure out what to talk about, and somebody said, well, why don't we talk about our fathers? And then somebody looked at me and said, look, this meeting was your idea. Why don't you start? And I, I, wow. did, I thought about my father and, and the story that I buried for 25 years or more came to the surface, and I felt like uh, I was in a, a river that was just raging over me, and I just fell apart. And, and I just I fell apart and started to cry, and I told the story about my father. It's the first time I'd ever told that story to anyone. Uh, the shame that a lot of young boys feel uh, about their relationships with their father prevents them from sharing that with anybody, and, and that's a tragedy. Do you think it's because most boys think it's their fault? Something must be wrong with me or my father wouldn't treat me this way? Well, of course, because, yes, because fathers say, you know, they, they, the violence usually comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of verbiage and, and a lot of words and a lot of, um, angry words. And, and most of them are, you're stupid, you're worthless, you know, you're, you're whatever. I mean, so sure, um, uh, and as a kid, you don't know not to buy into that. Your father's like God. Exactly. Uh, well, even as a, when I was a kid, I don't know that I necessarily bought into it 100%, but I did feel like it must have something to do with me. and There must be something wrong with me. You know, if there wasn't something wrong with me, why would my father do this? And, and when I raised my son uh, as a single father from the time he was a year old, um, I remember thinking, I am never going to... Uh, not just not just not going to hit this boy. Uh, I'm never going to uh, make him. I'm never going to diminish him in, in his own eyes. I'm going to make him feel good about himself and encourage him uh, and give him a lot of personal freedoms about who he he wants to be in life. And I did. And he's an incredible man. Uh, I'm so proud of him. And and he's an incredible father. So somebody has to stop. The, the cycle of violence. You know, if you ask a guy who is, who's violent with his kids, was your father violent? 99 out of 100 times he'll say yes. That's not an excuse. Uh, I didn't use it, as, use it as an excuse, and I don't buy it as an excuse. Any guy can do better than that. Just because your father beat you doesn't give you the right to beat your son. Uh, that's just stupidity. And, and if you love your son, 
if you really feel it in your heart, how do you, you know, I used to think to myself when I was a kid, you know, he doesn't love me because if he did, he wouldn't hit me like this. He wouldn't be beating on me like this. And, um, you know, I remember my mother telling me once, uh, well, you know, your father really loves you. And I thought, even as a boy, a 10-year-old boy, but what are you talking about? You know, I don't buy that. You know, you don't beat somebody you, you love. That's ridiculous. So, you know, guys have to stop this. And if it means getting some help or, or get into a men's group because the other guys will stop you for sure. You know, they'll wake you up to, you know, why you're doing it, help you wake, wake you up to why you're doing it, and help you stop doing it. It's time for us to go to break again. And when we come back, I want to talk more about the men's group and some of the results that you've seen. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ken Solon saying, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Ken Solon, who wrote a book, Act Like a Man, and we're talking about his men's groups today and about men in general. Ken, before we get started into this segment, tell us how people can reach you, how they can find your book, um, and uh, you know a little bit, if you want to, about how they could start their own group, and then we'll get on sure. with more about how to act like a man. Well, my website is uh, com. Uh, my book, Act Like a Man, is available on Amazon uh, in uh, print or Kindle, and it's available in Barnes & Noble as well. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, actually, uh, there's another fellow. His name is Owen Marcus. Uh, he and I are starting. Uh, we're doing our first uh, men's retreat in October, 
um, and it's called mancampweekends.com, and we're going to help young guys uh, understand what this work is and how to do it. Uh, Give us the name of that again, Men Camp. Man Camp Weekends. Men Camp. Men Camp. Weekends.com, and it'll be on my website too. And we're going to we're going to give young guys the tools their father never, fathers haven't given them, so they can relate to other men and also relate to women. Uh, there's a lot of young guys. In fact, I spoke to a young guy yesterday. who's a tech guy, and he said, "You know, there's guys in my office sitting in cubicles next to each other, and they're texting each other instead of talking to each other." And I thought, wow. oh "My God, what is that all about?" Well. This great fear, and, and the, the word that comes up for me, and I, I just mentioned this to you briefly, is safety. Men uh, are never going to open up if they don't feel safe. A men's group is a safe container. It's a place where a guy can go and feel safe because he's not going to be judged. Uh, no one's going to uh, give him advice. He's not going to get anybody's opinion. Uh, what he's going to get instead is other men uh, talking about their experiences with his issue, and they're going to talk about it on an emotional level. So a guy who's going through divorce, uh, instead of somebody saying, well, you should go out and date or you should do this, you know, the, a friend of mine is a therapist once said, advice is the lowest form of conversation. Uh, you know, we don't allow that in our men's group. There's no advice. What that guy needs to hear is, you know, when I was in your situation going through divorce, in the beginning, here's how I felt, and I felt that way for a couple of months, and here's what I did to make myself feel better, and here's what I did that made me feel worse. That's the kind of information men can give each other, and anytime somebody begins a sentence with, you should, I don't even hear the rest, because, you know, I'm not interested in something off the top of your head. What does that mean? You know, what, how valid is that? I wonder, if you had my experience, then share it with me. You know, that's, that's, that's good information. So that's the safety uh, factor. Men have to feel safe, and that's how trust is developed. Let's talk a little bit about that. A lot of men don't have real men friends, or genuine men friends. Is this about the trust safety issues? Why don't most men have a group of friends? It's very much about trust. <clears throat> and even beyond trust, men see each other as competitors. You know, we competed as kids in sports. We competed when we grew up for girlfriends. We compete for jobs. We compete for everything in life. And so as competitors, we see each other uh, in a very wary sort of way. Uh, so there is no trust. And when, when men meet other men, they think, well, he's taller. He's better looking. His wife is better looking. His girlfriend's better looking. He's got a bigger house. He's got a better car. Maybe he's got a bigger penis. I mean, who knows what's going through that guy's head, but it's all comparable stuff. It's all comparisons. There's no trust. And instead of seeing that guy as just another guy uh, who's got all the same issues he does probably, yeah, maybe he's got a bigger house. Maybe he's got a better wife, but he's still got plenty of issues, and his issues are probably your issues. But the lack of trust is what keeps men apart. And that's what men's groups can build is yeah. trust between men. Is this built into masculinity or not necessarily that, but just being the male of the species? Because you see it, you have an alpha dog, you see it in m most male animals, this competition. You know, is this something that's built in? Um, yeah. 
It is, which is why uh, the whole idea of sitting down with other men and being open and honest on a, from an emotional level is so new for just about every guy uh, because we've never done it uh, with anybody, not our fathers, uh, not our friends, uh, not even our wives and girlfriends. Um, I can't tell you how many emails I get from women saying I'm in a relationship with a guy and I can't get him to open up, you know, what can I do? And, you know, my answer is simple, nothing. Uh, nothing. You know, nothing you can do. Either a guy wants to get become that guy and open up or he doesn't. Um, it isn't as if uh, uh, learning how to be open and honest is a complete mystery. Uh, I think most men sort of get it, but there's got to be trust. Um, and I was, I remember being in a relationship with a woman once and, uh, she wanted to get married. And I just couldn't go to that place. And I, I explained to her why, you know, why the idea of marriage was just not possible for me. And it was, I related it to issues that I'd had as a boy, you know, with lack of trust from my mother and a couple of other women I'd known. And then a couple of weeks later, she brought it up again. And, and I said, you know, I'm still working on this. And she yelled at me about how, uh, and she used what I told her against me. Um, and I thought, wow, that's a, that's a, a betrayal. If it a it is a open, betrayal. I tell, if, I tell women, if you want a guy to be open with you emotionally, then don't judge what he says. Don't express an opinion about what he says. You can say how you feel about what he says, but don't judge what he says, because if you do, it's the last time he's ever going to do that with you. He, so, how would he dare? And why would he? Well, why yeah, he? Uh, and that's true with other men, too. Uh, you know, if a guy opens up to a, a, another guy who's a friend of his, and what he gets in return is, you know, blasted, he's not going to talk to that guy again on an emotional basis either. It's always about trust, and, and uh, there's an old an old fellow who mentored me years ago. He was a, an old French guy who'd lived there for a long time and had a thick accent still. And he used to always say, where there's no trust, there's no love. And that's true whether it's relationships between men, between women, or between men and women. Uh, and it's also true between fathers and sons. If you haven't built trust with your son, then you haven't built love with him. And if he turns out to be, you know, doesn't, if he turns out not to be the kid you wanted him to be, and you never built trust with that kid, you got nothing to say, uh, because it's as much your fault as his. It's, trust is everything. If you tell your son you're gonna do something, then do it. Uh, if you make a promise, keep it. And God, keep your hands off your kid, because as soon as you start raising your hands to your kid, that's the end of trust forever. He is oh, never has gonna to be. trust you. Yeah, so, there's a lot to being a father. You know, I write about fatherhood uh, because I, I think it's critical that men wake up to, you know, what being a good father means. But, you know, I think some of the basics, and I've met quite a few fellows, actually, who said that they never told their sons they love them. And, and a couple people say, well, you know, but I show them. I say, nonsense. nonsense. No, it's not the same. No, it's not. A kid needs to hear that. What is your problem that you can't come from your heart with your own boy and tell him you love him? What is that about? What, what, what's your issue that you need to work on so you can share with your son that you love him? Uh, I'm, I'm appalled when, uh, when I hear this from, you know, from men. Well, you know, I, can't, I don't say it, but I show it. Nonsense. Nonsense. No, they need to hear it. Yeah, wake up. You know, wake up and, and stop being your father and be the father you wished your father had been. Uh, that's 
that's what this is about. And more and more men are catching on to that, aren't they? I think more guys are. I think younger guys uh, today have a much better sense of this than uh, than guys who are over 40. Uh, it seems like the younger guys in their 20s are sort of getting this a little bit, uh, that, you know, that, that, that to be a good dad means to be expressing uh, how you're feeling about your children to them. Now, it must them. make a difference, too, in the quality of a relationship. You have any kind of relationship, whether it's with your children or whether it's with a woman. One of the things that I was struck by in your book is how many of these men have had failed marriages and yet as soon as they're out of one relationship they jump into another one yeah, well, what's you know, that about too. You know, what's interesting, I had a, uh, a business partner years ago who was on his fourth wife and, and I knew a couple of his wives before and I said you keep marrying the same woman so don't you get it you keep marrying the, they're all short they're all blonde and they're all mean you know, don't you get it? You're marrying the same woman over and over and over. And, you know, women always ask me, how come men don't take time between relationships? And, and the answer is simple, uh, because they don't want to feel the pain of the failed relationship. And, and if they just go on to the next relationship, they feel like, you know, they won't have to experience that pain. Well, it's not really true, because they still do experience the pain. But the real issue is they bring all the problems from the last relationship into the next one. So by the time they're in their, you know, second and third or fourth marriages, you know, it's become a, a ball and chain that they can barely move. You know, what's interesting is first marriages end at 50% for men, second marriages end at 70%, and third marriages end at 80%. Now, why, wow. do you suppose, why do you suppose that is? Well, you know, it's the definition of insanity. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect for a, a different result, you know, that's, that's the definition of insanity. And, and marrying, uh, you know, keep getting married or keep going from relationship to relationship without ever resolving the reasons why they keep failing, that's insane. That's just, it's self-defeating and it's insane. And, uh, you know, I see guys do this all the time and think, oh, don't you, you just don't get it. It's so simple. Take some time. Feel the pain. And also, figure out what your part in it was. Yeah, your wife was whatever. Okay, she probably was. What were you? What was your part? How did you handle that? You know, guys just don't want to go there because it's too much work. Ah, but it's work that needs to be done. And on that note, we're going to take a break. So stay tuned. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ken Solon saying we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you where you want to be in life? Are you experiencing the happiness that you're entitled to? How'd you like to improve your life and well-being? 
Take a weekly break to listen to Change Your Mind, Change Your Life with your hosts, Jim and Lynn Swearingen. You'll learn how hypnosis can truly help you rewrite the chapters of your life. You'll also learn to change perceptions of what hypnosis is and what it isn't. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self-improvement show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Ken Solon. We've been talking Today about how to act like a man. And, you know, I know, Ken, that in your group you've made a lot of progress. So I guess my next question could be, how can men affect change to help other men? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's always the question that it comes down to. And, and uh, it's pretty simple, really. Um, it takes great courage uh, for a guy to sit down with six or seven other guys in a room uh, and tell his truth. That takes enormous courage, and, and I don't ever want to uh, downplay the amount of courage that takes. It was, you know, I remember my how I felt at my very first meeting, and I had trust issues with men. I was terrified. I, I don't think I've ever been so frightened uh, of anything, certainly not business or, or, or a rabid dog, but I was terrified, and I thought, you know, it's time to get over this fear. It's time to stop letting fear uh, you know, govern the quality of my life. So um, it, it takes great courage. And I would, I tell guys to start a group. You only have to know one other guy. You don't even have to know him that well. Tell him what you think the purpose of the group should be, and find out if he's interested in being a part of the group. Um, you know, there's a weeding out process. We lost a couple guys right away as soon as they realized what the work was. Uh, but most of us stuck with it. I mean, we're still with it 25 years later. And somebody said to me recently, 25 years, haven't you guys worked out all your issues? And, I, and my comment to them was, doesn't anything new ever happen to you in your life that you never experienced? <laughs> <laughs> it isn't about working out your old issues. It's about stuff that's coming at you today. You know, we get a guy in his 60s uh, who's unemployed. You know, that's not something that happened to him before in the no. 25 years. It's new. Um, another guy, you know, experienced, a, you know, a death. That was a new one for him. So, you know, the, the, it never ends. It isn't like the issues get resolved and then you're healed or cured. Um, it doesn't work like that. And, and having the support, the unconditional uh, support of other men is the greatest feeling in the world. Uh, there's been times when I needed that so badly uh, that if I hadn't had it, I'm not sure how I would have moved ahead in life. Um, so... I always end my talks with men by asking them, the next time your life falls apart, who are you going to call? And most guys, what I see is blank stares. No one. They don't and have it's anybody. interesting the way you put that, 
the next time your life falls apart. Because you know what? All of us experience our life falling apart a number of times along this way. Of course. Of course. And, it's, and, and why go through that alone? You know, you, you, you really you, you suffer way more than you have to, you know, when you're going through it alone. I mean, it just isn't, there's no virtue. It's not manly uh, to, to suck it up and go through it alone. The notion that that somehow is manly, it's the opposite of manly. It's cowardly, you know, because you're too afraid to share that with other men because you're afraid of looking weak or whatever it is you're afraid of appearing. You know, you should be much more afraid that your life is never going to be what you'd hoped it would be because you're afraid. That's a much, that should be the bigger fear. Um, you know, looking foolish in front of other men, uh, you know, I got to tell you, everybody who in this, my group over the years has felt, uh, foolish, but no one ever makes them feel foolish because we all share the same issues. So, you know, if I were a man and I wanted to start a group, I, I could really know what to do just by reading your book, couldn't I? Because yes. basically it's getting together and telling your truth and sharing your feelings. Well, also, reading my book, Act Like a Man, uh, again, it's on. you can buy it on Amazon. It'll also tell guys what they can avoid because we made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Um, you don't have to make those mistakes. One of the biggest mistakes men can make is uh, allowing somebody to remain in the group who's disruptive or who's not working with the group in the same with the same purpose um, or who just wants to you know make a lot of noise you got to toss a guy like that out right away you know just because he's in the group doesn't mean he gets to uh, disrupt the group you don't need to everybody needs to contribute uh, and if anybody who just sits there and never talks you don't want that guy in the group either uh, you want contributors there's no wallflowers in a men's group so how do you go about choosing the members? I know you enter, you, everybody in your group interviews anybody who's coming in. How do you do that when you're just starting a new group? Uh, that's the difficult part, and that's why there's always somewhat of a weeding out process because, um, you know, if, if I knew one guy and he knew a guy and he knew a guy, we had our first meeting in, I don't know, 10 days, I guess it was. Um, and a couple of, I remember at the first meeting, one guy left after the first meeting. Well, a couple of other guys left after that, and it became clear to the people who were left in the group what kind of guys we were looking for. And so when we'd interview uh, potential guys, we'd tell them, look, we're here to do the work. We're here to be open and honest. We're here to talk about our issues on an emotional level. If that's you, great. We're going to give you a, a – you can try it for a couple of months, and if we think you're up to par, we'll keep you. And if you're not, we're going to tell you you got to go. Uh, you know, this isn't for everybody, and, and you don't want anybody in the group – who's going to waste the group's time or diminish its, its efforts. What do you do when somebody thinks they should be the self-appointed leader of the group? Do you just say, nah? No, we say we don't, there is no leader. If you want, to be, you want to be the leader of a group, then go start another group because you're not going to be in our group. You know, we don't need a leader. We need, have, we you, need... have you lost people because they wanted to be the leader? No. Oh, no. that's interesting. No, most guys are thrilled. Not to be the leader. Uh, most guys are glad that there's no leader. Um, you know, we have, you know, you, if you go to work, you got a boss. You know, we don't, the men don't need leaders. You know, we, we got leaders all around us all the time. Uh, you know, men do much better uh, together when there is nobody in charge. This quirky little thought comes to mind. It seems to me that you should have applications that women could pick up so they could 
apply to meet men <laughs> from a men's group. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to tell you, women always ask me uh, um, if they're dating, what's the the most important thing I can ask a guy? And it, it, it's a real simple question: Do you have any other men friends? Uh, I mean, real uh-huh. men friends. And the guy who says no, stay away because he's got trust issues. He's got all kinds of issues. A guy who doesn't have men friends is not a guy a woman wants to be involved with because she's oh, going to become his entire world. That's a very interesting point, and I would think it works both ways. Yes, he should does. ask her, does she have any woman friends? I always, Who's her best friend? When I was dating, I always asked, do you have any women friends? And, you know, if they said no, I said, well, why is that? Well, I don't have the time. So, you know, it's nice to meet you. Goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. Another yeah. case of run, don't walk. Yes, exactly. Yeah, probably nobody can get along with them. Well, or bad. they have trust issues. You know, usually the reason men don't have other men friends is they don't trust other men, and you know, and that's a guy who especially needs to be in a men's group. So even if you don't have any men friends, if you get into a men's group and you tell a woman you're in a men's group, you know, those guys become your friends anyway. Uh, but if you say you're in a men's group, wow, you know, women's eyes light up when they hear that because they think, oh, he's got somebody he talks uh, talks about his talks, issues with. Yeah. He's working on his stuff. Yes, exactly. You know, there's hope. This guy is working on his stuff. He's uh, he's trying to evolve. Ken, we're right up to the end of the show. What's the last thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I guess the most important thing I can tell guys is... Uh, Suck it up. Find the courage. You know, you, 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 want to, you want to be a man, you want people to look up to you as a man, then start acting like a man. And the first step is to have the courage to sit down with other guys and talk about your life. Suck it up and let it out. Yeah, suck <laughs> it up. Have the courage, you know, develop have the courage to do this. I think, you know, finding the courage and then reaping the rewards, are, I think the rewards are so monumental oh, God, that they're worth taking that passed, first step. There isn't a guy who's passed through my group whose life didn't change for the better. Not one. That's a pretty good track record. And that's a, a great track record. Next week's guest is Dr. Steve Fryermilk. We're going to be talk about, talking about achieving your optimal health. Dr. Steve is a fitness expert. Uh, he understands nutrition, and we're going to get you healthy. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.